Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. up Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations all across the state of Mississippi. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that is right here in Ceasefire country. You can send us a message to be a part of the conversation like this one. Basketball isn't dead in Starkville, at Richard. Yeah. Yeah, what a weekend. What a, what a game on Saturday. Win against the top 15 opponent. Good crowd into it. Crowd had an effect on the game. It's not dead. A long way to go. In fact, I talked to Joe Lenardi on the Texas A&M Vanderbilt broadcast on Saturday night during the game. I know a lot of people hate when that happens. Yeah. I don't particularly love it, but it wasn't my decision. And so I asked Joe Lenardi. I was like, hey, what about Mississippi State? Because you've kind of had them like in the conversation but out on the edge. And he said that, what did he, he told me that currently they would be like 83rd. So, if you're seeding 1 through 68, following their win against TCU, Mississippi State would be 83rd. So that's 78, you know, 15 spots off the bubble. Okay. You can make a move from there. That is not an easy move to make. Not an easy move by any stretch of the imagination. Because of what they've done in the first half of conference play, There's very little margin for error for Mississippi State, but you are right in your text, at Richard, that basketball isn't dead in Starkville. You're right. Yeah. The margin for error is thin, there's no doubt. But I I do get a kick out of people when they're in like the, you know, it's early February and their team's in the last four out and they lose a game and they're like, ah, it's over. As if the other teams on the bubble will also not lose. (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason they're on the bubble. If you're a bubble team, you're going to have good moments and you're going to have bad moments down the stretch. And you just yeah. try to navigate it the best as you can, the best you can, and have more good moments than you do bad moments. But there's a larger a point. Lot. 
I hope that that text is not just about the NCAA tournament because to me, hey, Dad, the larger context, if there is a larger context, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here, of that text is that there's some excitement around Mississippi State basketball and people are invested and people are buying in and maybe or maybe not on the NCAA tournament this year. Maybe, maybe not. But that doesn't have to be the only metric used. Teams playing hard, if fans are excited about the future, if there's some buy-in, there's no reason it can't be fun. The, the ascent can be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, to that end, job well done, Bulldog fans, on Saturday afternoon. Especially students, yeah, I, right? I think it's... Yeah, it was a good crowd all together, but the students did a great job. And and I really think, you know, State plays South Carolina tomorrow. That's a game they're going to be favored to win. If they can win that game, they have Missouri coming in for a I think it's a quad one opportunity. I think if you play a top 50 net team at home, that's a quad one chance. And if that's the case, big game Saturday in Starville, 5 o'clock tip, I, I, I think you could have a really big crowd there. And that's that's a fun thing to say after this past decade of games, and and I thought Robbie Falk on the Thunder Lightning podcast made a really good point. He said, you know, any in any previous season, losing eight out of nine, there would have been two thousand people at the game on Saturday. Maybe there wouldn't have been anybody there. They would have not cared. They would have just given up. But the way this team has played this year, and the way they play basketball, has people excited and buying into the to the future under Chris Chan. So, so far, so good. In terms of, you know, they needed that win, but now they need to stack some wins together, and then we'll see where it takes us. But I mean, when they play Arkansas on, I think that's the, that the 18th? I think that's right. Uh, no, they play Ole Miss on the 18th. I think they play Arkansas on the 11th. If they win these next, you know, three games, which are winnable, right? South Carolina, Missouri, LSU, and they're 16 and 8 when they go to Arkansas, that game has big meaning for Mississippi yeah. State. Is the Missouri game so, home or road? It's home. You're at okay. Columbia this tomorrow. Then you you're uh, then you have back to back home games with Missouri and LSU. Need to win them. South Carolina LSU absolutely should win. Missouri's tricky. I'm not sure Missouri's getting the credit they deserve, but but that's a pretty, they're good. It's a good team. They're a fun team. I don't know how good mm-hmm. they are yet, but they are a fun team, and they play a style they, where if they they're making beat shots, the heck they're out of to a beat. top twelve team yesterday or Saturday. Yeah, so. They did. Hey, here's your your quad yeah. one definition. Home yeah, game, give it to me. one through 30 in the net. One through okay, 30 so for two. a home game, one through 50 for a neutral site game, and one through 75 for a road game. Okay. So it's got to be a top State doesn't 30. have any quad. Yeah. State doesn't have any quad two wins at all. They're 0-3, so getting some of those would be good. State has three quad one wins right this second, which is great. Yeah, and of course they they they're undefeated against quad three and quad four, but they could use some quad two wins to boost that resume up. Yeah, yeah, and and that opportunity will exist. But with South Carolina and LSU, two of those next three you're talking about, you're talking about quad three and quad four. I guess those are quad three yeah. games. Yeah, quad. Yeah, well, I think I bet South Carolina their their net is two seventy eight. I bet that's a yes, quad that's four a quad game from wherever you yeah. play it. Yeah, yeah. And then what is what's LSU? They're like a 106, I think. Okay, that'll be quad three. That'll be quad three. And then what is, just for curiosity, what's Missouri? They're in the 40s. Okay, so that'll be a quad two at home. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We had conference championship games this weekend. We will uh, we will get into those. We will dissect those a little bit as uh, you get the Super Bowl matchup set. Philadelphia and Kansas City. People are you know wanting to make this a huge deal for Andy Reid. My guess is that others are making this a bigger deal than Andy Reid himself is making uh, of this matchup. But I'm sure that he would love to beat his former team. Uh, I think it's more about winning a Super Bowl than it is about beating somebody else. Or, or settling any old scores or grudges or anything along those lines. So that'll be fun. Uh, is this a matchup for the Super Bowl that, that gets you kind of jazzed up, kind of excited? It should. If you can't get excited for this one, there's something wrong with you. Okay. Even if you don't like these teams or don't like these brands? I mean, it's if, fine. If not, if... Hey, Dad says maybe there's something wrong with me then. It's just another Super Bowl. I mean, it, a, a fun, creative a Philly Bowl. offense, Jalen Hurts looking healthier, uh, paired with Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, you've got so, a, a ton of Mississippi flavor as well. I mean, if, if you around here can't get excited for the Super Bowl, then there's no Super Bowl that'll excite you unless it is your team in it. it it's got everything. You've got a, a tinge of revenge. Although I agree with you, I, I Kind of feel like Andy Reid has the personality of he couldn't care less. Uh, it's the Super Bowl, but still, you have that that storyline that he, according to Philly, he wasn't good enough there, and he leaves and is going to win his second Super Bowl, one of which over Philly will be a a nice little touch. Uh, this is great. I'm couldn't be more thrilled with the, with this matchup. I mean, either it's the Super Bowl. I'm always excited about it, but this one's got a little juice. And it's, especially with Philly, because, I mean, Mahomes is special and unique and he runs around a little bit, but Patrick Mahomes is an elite passer. He's still very much, despite being a good athlete, an NFL quarterback, right? The the way Philly runs their offense is more college-like. It's more, I don't want to say zone read, but they use their quarterback in ways that more college programs do than in the NFL. There are a lot of designed runs for Jalen Hurts. Yes, and so if he's successful, will that change the dynamic of of the NFL? Because Patrick Mahomes don't grow on trees. I mean, he is a unique and special talent. Jalen Hurts is a great player. There's there's more Jalen Hurtses out there. There's two in this draft. And so will that be more normal? Will NFL offenses gravitate away from pro style and more... Design quarterback runs. Will they use their guy the same way that the Eagles do Hurts? I'm very curious to see if this is one of those shifts that is happening in the sport. Because Kansas City doesn't use Mahomes in the run game. Not really. No, but the most important play of the game last night was Patrick Mahomes in the run game. It was a run. Making a play with his feet. This might be one Not of the designed run, certainly, no. but uh, a run nonetheless. Bit of an apples and oranges comparison, but is Jalen Hurts going to have uh, the kind of impact that Steph Curry had on the NBA? Steph Curry came in, everybody wanted to shoot a bunch of threes. Get, find me a great three-point shooter, I'll figure it out. Jalen Hurts comes in, really good running quarterback, offense that is centered around a running quarterback. Will other teams want to replicate that? That's an interesting question. One worth uh, worth exploring a little bit more. 
Let's talk about these two championship games when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios on this Monday. Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. luck ever for the San Francisco 49ers. This season and yesterday on the biggest stage of the season, of course, the starting quarterback going into the year, Trey Lance, injured out for the season. His backup, Jimmy Garoppolo, injured out for the season, which led us to one of the best stories in football this year. That's the emergence of Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. He goes 4-4 to start the game yesterday for 23 yards, and then he has an arm injury and is out for the rest of the first half. Josh Johnson comes in, and he's okay. I mean, just very okay. But it's not like, I mean, the, the the vertical pass was still part of the offense with Johnson in the game. But then he got hurt and couldn't go anymore, and so Brock Purdy came back in, and San Francisco basically played the second half of that football game yesterday with an inability to forward pass. Since 2008, Josh Johnson has changed teams 21 times from the NFL to the varying lower football leagues. What did I see on Twitter yesterday? That Like in 13 years in the NFL or whatever, the 12 years in the NFL, he had made a total of $8 million. How was that even possible? Rookie contracts, uh, rookie contract, uh, Practice squad deals. Did you guys get the same vibe I did in that game? In the second half, I was almost uncomfortable. It was, it was the first conference championship game that I can remember where you knew that one of the teams had no chance to win and you knew that they knew that they had no chance to win and they were calling the game knowing that they had no chance to win. I mean, they try, like Shanahan tried to get a little creative with the run game in the second half to get Debo the ball in space or whatever, but the, the Eagles could just pin their ears back and go because they knew that nobody was throwing the ball. It was almost uncomfortable sitting there like this, frankly, kind of sucked watching because you knew that San Francisco couldn't do anything. Nothing. They could not move the football because they couldn't throw the football at all. And Philly just pinned their ears back and went. I mean, they could have taken three knees and punted for the entire second half and not lost the game. Christian McCaffrey, they kind of tried for a play, and that wasn't wasn't really it either. So, as a team, San Francisco was 11 of 18. Purdy was 4 of 4. Josh Johnson was 7 of 13. Christian McCaffrey was 0 of 1. No touchdown (laughs) passes, no interceptions. They didn't really give it away. They just weren't good enough against a Philadelphia team that is, is complete. Philadelphia didn't do anything that blew you away offensively. Nothing. They threw for 121 yards and ran for 148 yards. Just didn't have to. I mean, Philadelphia's defense looked more like San Francisco's defense has looked. Well, in San Francisco's defense, I know it's the, the number's 31, but they held their own, man. I mean, they played really well. It's just 
when you are playing defense the entire game and, yeah. and never getting off the third, never getting a chance to just take a breather, it's it's hard to play. That was a just a bizarre football game because of that. Thirty-one to seven, the final, and it sends Philadelphia to the Super Bowl. Kenny Gainwell, former Memphis Tiger, uh, he's a bunch of different guys. I mean, so let's go back to the Jalen Hurts conversation about Jalen Hurts as a running quarterback. 11 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. And they drew the little arrow on the field that kind of showed his his path. We're talking about quarterback power and quarterback sweep. Like designed play calls where he gets the snap and he's waiting for blockers to get into place and he's following them. Like a running back. Yeah. And he's okay throwing the football. Yeah, he's certainly not bad. So, Borky, your question is, is Jalen Hurts Steph Curry? Yeah, to a lesser degree, of course, because because (laughs) Steph Curry, I mean, is the best, possibly the best shooter of all time. Not the best player, but possibly the best shooter of all time. Jalen Hurts is not the best quarterback of all time, nor is he the best running quarterback of all time. But, I mean, you're seeing it in New York a little bit. He's not the best running quarterback in the league right now. No. Um, We'll see where Lamar ends up. Apparently, he might stick around in Baltimore, but um, I mean, you're seeing it in New York. It it worked with Daniel Jones. Now, there is the risk of injury, of course, but the Giants won games because they ran their quarterback. I mean, there's no denying that. The Eagles are winning games because they design runs for their quarterback. Mm -hmm. And now you've got, although he's small, you've got Bryce Young, who is a passer, but he, he can run. He's athletic. Can do it. Can beat Boo with his legs. C.J. Stroud is not a running quarterback, but he is certainly athletic enough to beat people with his legs. Do whoever we saw picks very them. little of that from C.J. Stroud until they play Georgia, the semifinal, and you saw how, when necessary, what hey, he can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, Justin Fields is in Chicago right now. I, I mean, do you see these guys that? Again, it's not fair to call. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young running quarterbacks because they're much better than that. But these guys that have that skill set, whoever picks them, use them in that way. If Indianapolis finds their way to to pick one of these guys, does Indy realize, hey, look, C.J. Stroud, I know he's a passer, but let's run him because he can beat people that way too. And does that change the league a little bit? I think you've already seen a little bit of a shift in the league. Right, I mean, forever we thought about trickle-down in offensive philosophy. Like colleges were doing what they were doing in the NFL with pro styles and whatever, and somewhere along the way it turned into trickle-up. Right, I mean, you had offenses in high school that were producing athletic players at the quarterback position, and so that's what colleges had to recruit. And then colleges kind of went one of two ways, right? I mean, it was either spread option. And this really started mid-2000s, where we were seeing more of this. You remember when we, remember when we first started talking about RPOs and nobody knew what an RPO actually was? Yeah. The people that used that terminology, when it, whether it was accurate or not? Just threw it out there. I mean, that, that became mainstream in college football. And so there were like two schools of thought, right? I mean, there, there was air raid... And there was read option, and then 
there was kind of the blending of those two things. And so what college was producing at the best level was, okay, this is what's available to the NFL now, right? Because most of your best quarterbacks coming out of college were in systems that including a running element to the, for, for the quarterback. And so as those guys got to the NFL and you had some college influences, whether it was an offensive coordinator or a head coach, you, you saw athletic quarterbacks making more plays, and so it's a copycat thing. But no, I don't think the league is headed in the direction of franchise quarterbacks as running backs. Yeah. I want to point out that, you know, I take a lot of heat because I, I was hard on Joe Burrow going into his senior year. You guys like to, like to rattle my cage about that. It's fine. It's fine. But I was a big supporter of Jalen Hurts in that same discussion. When, when we were getting the whole, oh, he, you know, anybody could do what he does or with all this Alabama talent. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback and he's a winner. I mean, and, and to me, sometimes, you know, big arm, great. Mobility, fine. Are you a winner? I want a winner under center. I'll figure out the rest. Everybody, you know, the arm and everything, as long as it's, it's, as long as it's respectable, I'm going to be okay. But Passing. having a winner under yeah. center, and that's what Jalen, yeah, Jalen Hurts is a winner. Sure. Well, and that's where maybe if you want to rewind a little bit, where you get lost in the Tebow argument a little bit, because Tim Tebow mm-hmm. was a winner and he was a good locker room guy and a right. good teammate and all of those things, but he didn't have the, the he couldn't the, the throw it in the skills. NFL. Yeah, yeah, right, right. J- Jalen Hurts is a far more gifted passer of the football, yes. than Tim Absolutely. Tebow ever dreamed of being. There is. If if Tim would have. Taking the advice and switch to flex immediately might still be playing. Still be in the league. Yeah. As what? Taysom Hill? Somebody would use that. Yeah. Somebody, somebody like, yeah, absolutely. I think so. But instead, he, have the speed, but yeah. tougher. Instead, he tried to play quarterback, didn't work, played baseball, and, you know, credit to him, and then tried to become a tight end when it was just too late. If he'd have done that right away, he'd, you know. Yeah. I think he's doing okay, though. If, uh, last I checked, he's he's doing all right. He's fine. Yeah, I think I think he'll I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got a few million bucks in the bank and cool job. Didn't just take got, all that many hits. Just got married. I mean, like he he's doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Life's life's pretty good. Uh, a disappointing end for the uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, who had been on an absolute heater. But there comes a point where you just can't take that many injuries at the most important position in all of sports. And and when you have to play a game with two with with your quarterback having both hands tied behind his back, like the ability to pass is not even not even a, a possibility. Can't win that way. Especially against a good team in Philadelphia was the best team in football all season long. We'll talk about game two when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Find them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Couple of a uh, couple of messages on the ceasefire text line. Will Levis at Penn State was a running quarterback. Well, there goes Borky's theory right there. It's now now I know it's not going to work. Chasing Columbus is the only uh, the entire playoffs are quarterbacks who may not be Lamar Jackson, but can make plays outside the pocket and aren't sitting ducks. The only statue was Brady, and it didn't go well for him. Trevor Lawrence can move around a little bit, make some. Yeah, you know, by by no means is he a running quarterback, but mobile. Josh Allen can clearly make plays with his feet. Yeah, and does they call and stuff does. for him? Should Dallas be doing more of this with Dak? Probably. I mean, I thought, you know, you look back at his college career, right? I thought State was much better offensively his junior year when he was much more of a running threat. And then yeah. in his senior year, I think Dan Mullen made a conscientious effort to show him off as a passer and limited him as a runner, and State was not as good offensively. Uh, do do you think season. that was for the sake of NFL teams, or do you think that mm-hmm. was he knew the importance of Dak Prescott to that offense and therefore wanted to try and keep him healthy? I think it was maybe a little mixture of both, but I think it skews more towards he wanted to make sure that he gave him the opportunity to show what he could do as a passer to NFL teams. And, of course, you know, State wasn't as good at running back that year. You know, you went from Josh Robinson over 1,000 yards to Brandon Holloway and, uh, and Ashton Shumpert, who couldn't do much of anything running the football. But I think part of that was because Teams didn't respect Dak anymore by the end of the season as a running threat. Yeah. You know, Herbert with, with the Chargers, I mean, athletic enough that he can he can go get you a first down. He, he moves around better than Tom Brady, but he is – I don't think we would describe him as a running quarterback. Would we describe him as mobile? No. Mobile. Tua with the Dolphins when he's healthy? Mobile. Daniel Jones has become a running quarterback. Um, Vikings. Oh, what's his name? Can everybody? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. He's got some mobility. Obviously, Lamar Jackson. He's a runner. Yeah, he is a runner. Pure. So. I got a, a text from a buddy, and this actually makes a lot of sense. He says a running quarterback today won't get as banged up as a regular quarterback did 10 to 15 years ago because of the rules changes. The rule changes over the last decade. That's, a, that's a interesting and I think a good point. But they do, I mean, they do a good job of protecting these guys, you know? And, yeah. and I don't know you think that about the me? Patrick Mahomes play is the best illustration. He was out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 just was. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are a lot of. I mean, there are just a lot of roughing the passer, and you know, defenders. I think play a little bit more on eggshells around quarterbacks, and they they and there used to be back in the old days, Lawrence Taylor, Mike Singletary, and those guys. They would just destroy the quarterback every play. They didn't care. You, know, you had to really go out of your way to get called for roughing. 
nowadays, you, I mean, you can't you can't even lay a finger on them. Well, and also, like Patrick the, Mahomes' contract is is a bit of an exception. Most of these guys aren't signing ten year deals anyway. I mean, at, at what point do you take the risk in order to win? You have to win at some point, don't you? What's the point of having a quarterback for 10 years if you're not going to maximize his ability? And what's the point? I don't know. It's it's an interesting shift that's going on. And like you said, it's it's not trickle-down economics. It's trickle-up football-nomics. I mean, that's what's happening here. The college game is, is changing so much, and the quarterback position is changing so much that s- statues are... Just history. Kind of where statues belong anyway. Isn't there really only one exception to a quarterback not being protected consistently in the last few years? And that's Cam Newton. Cam Newton took more yeah. shots that did not get flagged than any quarterback I can think of in the last decade. Yeah. A guy on the text line mentioned him as uh, you can't take risks on running quarterbacks. Uh, that the, and uh, Cam Newton did have an injury-riddled career for sure. He wasn't in the best place, but he did go to a Super Bowl. Or was a should have gone to a Super Bowl, right? Was that the that was the NFC Championship where he didn't fall in the fumble and they ended up losing the game? No, that was a Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. He was officiated differently, completely into. It's like Zion in basketball. Zion's not officiated uh, the same way Kevin Durant is because Zion's two hundred and eighty pounds. Kevin Durant's one hundred and eighty pounds, and so when Kevin Durant gets touched, his lanky, frail body just flops, just flies everywhere, and he gets foul calls. Zion gets beat up on a nightly basis and doesn't get foul calls because he's so big and physical. Same thing with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was so just so physically imposing and different for a quarterback that he was officiated differently than other quarterbacks on the same hits, and so it did shorten his career. And also, I, th- th- there's... You know how Tom Brady gets a bunch of credit for being kind of crazy in terms of taking care of himself and stuff like that mm-hmm. and preparation and all that? People are making fun of Russell Wilson now, but he's like that, meticulous. Cam Newton's not that way. Not a bad guy or anything, but didn't take care of himself like that. No. No. In, in, in fairness, though, Cam Newton never had to. True. And and so, what do you just like? You know, you, you get to be thirty one day, and you're like, ooh, I've got to treat my body differently than I've treated it for the previous twenty nine years or the previous twenty years, whatever. I mean, Cam Newton was always the biggest. He was always the fastest. He was always the strongest. He was the most gifted. He ran away from contact. He ran over people because he was bigger and stronger and more physical. And then you get to the NFL where there are more that are like you in terms of physical abilities, and you don't have to adjust. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, you saw the picture of him with his shirt off at the draft. He had to do something if he was going to play in the NFL. He had to change that body. Because he was 40-year-old dad bod when he was 21 coming into the NFL, and now at 45, he looks more like a 21-year-old coming out of college that needs to put on some weight and some muscle. I mean, it's like Benjamin Button in the NFL, Tom Brady. So, I don't know. 
I, I know Kevin Durant's not 180 pounds. It was hyperbole. Yeah. Uh, he he's not seven foot one eighty. He wouldn't be living. No, it's just an illustration of again hyperbole or hyperbole. What about what about game two? And we're just going to start the conversation. We're not going to get anywhere all the way through this. Cincinnati and Kansas City, great crowd. Loud crowd, a crowd that was so loud that 11 players on the field and all of the parabolic microphones and Jim Nance and Tony Romo with headsets on and two sidelines, etc., could not hear a whistle that is at such a high pitch that it, it pierces through all of the other stuff, right? I mean, that's the one sound that you can hear that stands out in a sea of loud white noise except for the fact that it was so loud that you couldn't hear a whistle to the point of allowing one team to run a play and then go, no, 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 that didn't count. There was a whistle that nobody heard. They get to do it again. And then comes Eli Apple. (laughs) Trash. Man. Uh, Social media is a cesspool, but I immediately went to his mentions after he got called for holding. And oh, buddy, I was laughing. <laughs> I mean, you br- you everybody he brought hates that, that guy. on himself. Yes. Like the the other deleted who committed a penalty that cost him the game. Like I, I understand, you know, emotions are hot or whatever. That dude was so beat up after that. I mean, just it, it was a dumb penalty. I'm not saying it wasn't, but that was a that was a mistake, right? It just a guy trying to make a play and just did something dumb on the field. <clears throat> yeah, there Eli, was nothing malicious. I no. mean, talking about a guy who had played a great game and who's trying to make a play to save right. the game, and he ends up making a dumb play that cost him the game. Eli Apple's personality and the way he presents himself to the world means his mistakes are treated like that, and it's yes. a little bit different. His mom deleted her Twitter account too. So Probably for she, the best. She for just her. got out of there. Mm. Yes. And his hold Psycho. was incredibly egregious. There were a lot of calls in that game where you're like, ah, oh, don't throw the flag. Don't throw the flag there. Or come on, man, throw the flag. There was no decision to be made on that one. I mean, he held him like four different ways. Like grab him, spin him, pull him, and then oh for good measure, let me try to hang on to the jersey and go for a ride. Here at the end. That one was easy. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. So Kansas City jumps out to a three nothing lead. They make it six to nothing with a uh, field goal in the uh, early part of the second quarter. 
Bengals get a field goal at 6-3, to then a Travis Kelsey touchdown reception, his 15th career playoff touchdown reception, which um, tied him with Gronkowski. No, he surpassed Gronkowski and trails only Jerry Rice. I think that was the, the stat. And then McPherson hits a field goal for the Bengals as time expires, and it's 13-6 at the half. And we get a little offense. Joe Burrow hooks up with T. Higgins for a touchdown early third quarter. Game's tied at 13. Kansas City answers. Touchdown pass from Mahomes, make it 2013. <clears throat> Maje Ryan gets a touchdown run to tie it at 20. And that's with 13.30 to go in the game. Then we go all the rest of the fourth quarter, and we get to three seconds left, and Harrison Butker kicks a 45-yard game winner. So that's the way it unfolded. Is the fourth quarter the part of the game that you point to and you, you start talking about missed opportunities? Uh, missed opportunities, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just still, I'm just still really in shock that when they, when the Chiefs punted it back there with just a couple minutes to go, that Burrow didn't go down the field and get yeah. the win. I, I was really, really, really surprised. Well, one, one man is the reason. We, we've gone 55 yeah. minutes. We committed a crime. Haven't said the name Chris Jones yet. Best player on the field last night. Yep. Maybe the best defensive player in the league. Won that football game for the Kansas City Chiefs last night. Now, obviously, you can't win a game by yourself, but he made the play, plays, but specifically the play that won the game. And did you hear the story after the fact? They were waving from the sideline to try and move him inside and he just looked and waved them off. Lined up outside, oh, got, got a one on one. Kansas City or Cincinnati decided not to chip him, and he just whipped a right tackle in the NFL. I mean, just whipped him and buried Burrow. Yeah. And and I thought it was it was pretty cool that they had the story. They had talked to Chris Jones the, the day before, Nance and, and Romo, and Jones talked about how hard it had been to accept the fact that. He felt like he had not made plays that cost them a chance to get to the Super Bowl a year ago and that he absolutely was going to be making good on that. And then he went out and did it. Yeah, he did. People blaming the refs, though. That's what's happening today. It's all the refs' fault. The NFL is rigged, and they wanted Mahomes instead of Burrow into the Super Bowl because that would have impacted ratings. Does anybody realize... Ratings in Super Bowls and how they're not impacted by players that 100 million people watch the Super Bowl every year. Anyway, who had more yards? Mahomes. Uh, Kansas City. All right, so who had more yards? Kansas City. Who averaged more yards per play? Kansas City. Who had more first downs? Kansas City. Who was better on third down? Kansas City. Who was better in the red zone? Kansas City. Who won the turnover battle? Kansas City. Who gave up fewer sacks? Kansas City. Tell me what part of that game was the ref's fault when every meaningful statistical category was Chiefs greater than Bengals. How did the refs do that? Kansas City was the better team last night. It it did feel like the significant calls in the game went against Cincinnati. And some of them were accurate, and some of them were kind of, eh, eh. 
The refs did get no, bailed no, no. out by the, the the free down that one of the officials is trying to stop the play, but nobody heard it, so the play went, and the teams were even like leaving the field to put special teams on. They got bailed out by Kansas City not scoring on that possession because it would have been so much worse had they not punted a few plays later. You're right. You're accurate about that. Hey, what about the play in the fourth quarter where Joe Burrow gets rid of the football and 55 for the Chiefs. Uh, Clark, he just gives him he just gives him a shove at the end, and Burrow goes to the ground. Yeah, and doesn't get a call. If if Cincinnati had done that to Patrick Mahomes, would he have gotten the call? If somebody had shoved Tom Brady like that at the end of a play in a playoff game, oh, you know, yeah. in front of a referee, we were just talking about it. Yes, you absolutely. Know, you know, Brady's any getting that one. Any quarterback. So you know. That they choose not to throw the flag there, and probably shouldn't have, right? That wasn't roughing the passer. It wasn't egregious. There should not have been a flag there. You can't talk to me about consistency in the officiating. There was a very obvious block in the back on the punt return that set Kansas City up in position to go kick a field goal to win the game at the end. No flag there. And, and, and you saw it, right? I mean, you, you saw the guy from Cincinnati. As soon as he hits him, he throws his hands. They're like, oh, don't throw it. Don't throw the flag. Player goes down, probably tried to sell it a little bit. A lot of times you get that flag, you didn't get it last night. But you're right. Penalties are not, or, or lack of penalties, are not why Kansas City won the game. They had an effect, and it was not a good look for the NFL. Winners and losers, that's how we'll start the 4 o'clock hour next. More sports talk, Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. Sports talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super talk, Mississippi. Hour number two at Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, and of course on your supertalk Mississippi radio stations covering all 82 counties and beyond here in the Magnolia State. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. For more information, log on to pearlriverresort.com. Country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford this spring, and Super Talk Mississippi is going to give you an opportunity to win tickets. On Wednesday of this week, Wednesday, February 1st, you're going to find out how you can win. This Morgan Wallen ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. And if your business would like to take part in this incredible promotion, you can contact your local Super Talk Mississippi Media sales rep to find out more, or you can shoot us an email, sales at supertalk.fm. That's sales at supertalk.fm. going to be a really cool opportunity uh, for you to win tickets to the uh, Morgan Wallen concert. And just, just so our listeners know, sales at here is spelled H-A-D-A-D. <laughs> just just send those emails Again, in. We'll gimmick get infringement. I, I told yet, you, I stole you. It's not even at this point. As the victim it's not of even infringement at this point. It's theft. Yeah. Theft. But you're, you've been a victim of that during football season. Well, and so, What are so you going to do about it, Borky? That's what I want to know. I'm just surprised that, that a victim of gimmick infringement would, would also infringe on a gimmick. If you can't beat them, join them. True. 
Given new information, he'll change his mind, Borky. He's told us that a million times. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com for the latest deals on the best devices available. Tax season is here, but how about some savings for you? There are all kinds of things you can do, like activate four lines for uh, for $100 and get a free phone, or take advantage of uh, a new phone or a new Apple Watch with the activation of a new line. Learn more at cspire.com. Time right now for winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we classify it, winners and losers. I've been handing this off. I'm going to go first today. But this is somebody that would not be on your winners list, I don't think. The name is Brett Veach. Do you know who Brett Veach is? That was my guy. No, I'm just kidding. He is the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. Last night... Last year's draft class for the Kansas City Chiefs came up huge. Cornerback Trent McDuffie had six tackles and two passes defended. Defensive end George Carlaftis uh, had a sack. Wide receiver Sky Moore had three catches and a really important punt return. Safety Brian Cook had four tackles and a pass breakup. Cornerback Joshua Williams, an interception. Cornerback Jalen Watson, an interception. And running back Isaac Pacheco had an 85 total yards. How about that? Spanning rounds one through round seven of last year's NFL draft contributing in the AFC Championship game. I hope Brett Veach toasted himself last night because he deserved it. That's general managing the right way. When you uh, when you look at the draft, so Brett Veach is my winner. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. I got to go with Chris Jans and Mississippi State basketball. Big win on Saturday, and they needed it. They needed it so badly. They they had been playing better since that Georgia game. You know, they 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 couldn't shoot threes against Auburn. That's why they lost. They played better against Tennessee, but Tennessee is a top ten team. They they fell behind against Florida and came back. They played better in that game. And then against Alabama, I thought they actually played really well, but Alabama's probably a one seed, and they just couldn't get the win. When you keep getting better each and every week and you don't get the results, that's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world. So to finally get that win in front of a good crowd, and we'll see what it sparks for the for the second half of the season. Borky, give me a winner. The Empire State Building. Now, you could, no. you could classify this as a loser, but uh, this is a masterful troll job, and knowing that there are millions of New Yorkers that are mad at their most iconic uh, landmark makes me happy. So in case you guys missed this, the Empire State Building, you know, the one in New York City, lit itself up after... As, as opposed to the other one? Yeah, there, there might be one in Vegas. <laughs> the one I don't in know. They, they, they like to build statues there. I don't know. Um, but in New York, lit up the Empire State Building in Eagles colors after the division rival Philadelphia Eagles 
punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. That would be like Auburn students rolling to Merce Corner when Alabama wins the SEC championship. That would be like Old Miss ringing that victory bell that they got on campus now when Mississippi State wins a Super Regional and punches their ticket to Omaha. That is the most iconic landmark in New York City celebrating the victory of the city's biggest rival. Love the troll job. People are furious, and it's hilarious. But if the Superdome ever lights up to celebrate uh, somebody in the NFC South winning anything, I'll riot myself. But it didn't happen in New Orleans. It happened in New York, so it's a good thing. Just, just picturing the Lyceum in maroon and white or the Chapel of Memories in red and blue. I don't, I don't think it would ever happen. Doesn't really feel like it would ever happen. So... On Saturday, you had the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and the Big 12 was the big winner. They went 7-3 and three in those 10 games. But I have a winner on the SEC side of things, and it's SEC basketball fans. In Knoxville, for a top-10 matchup between Texas and Tennessee, over 21,000. In Lexington, for an iconic matchup between Kansas and Kentucky, uh, over 20,000. In Starkville for a good matchup, a great crowd at Humphrey Coliseum, an announced crowd of 8,643. It sounded every bit of that. Over 15,000 in Columbia, Missouri, for Mizzou and Iowa State. LSU, uh, good crowd. What was the final number in Baton Rouge? Uh, let's see here. Hold on, I've got it right here. Um, yeah, Almost 10,000 in Baton Rouge for Texas Tech. And LSU, that's for a bad LSU team. And then you had a couple of regular SEC games that happened on Saturday. Stegman Coliseum sold out for Georgia and South Carolina. And Texas A&M, that's where I was on Saturday night. It was an unbelievably good atmosphere for Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. They were 300 people shy of a sellout. The atmospheres in the home gyms on Saturday for all the SEC teams that hosted basketball games, absolutely phenomenal. And so tip of the cap to uh, all of those SEC teams. We, we know that basketball in the SEC is not as big a deal as football. SEC dominates attendance in football every year. But that was a big Saturday, and it was really impressive all across the SEC. I think next year will be even better when it's the ACC Challenge. Yes. This is the last year of SEC Big 12. Yeah. It is. So you uh, you certainly may be right about that. Any other winners before we transition to the other side? Just down the street from me here is Starkville High School. And uh, we're gonna, I know we're going to talk more about Mississippi and the huge role it's going to play in the Super Bowl, but two former Yellow Jackets on opposite sides. So Starkville High School is getting a Super Bowl winner between A.J. Brown and Willie Gay Jr., uh, AJ had a good tweet today about those two guys, former teammates, won a state championship here uh, a few years back, and uh, now going head to head in the Super Bowl. That's just cool. Uh, you know, that'll be a hopefully that's a story. You know, I know a lot of people are going to pick up on the Kelsey brothers story, and that's a great one. But I hope somebody national picks up on on those on that story because I think that'll be a lot of fun to tell. One more winner, Christopher Deshaun Jones, pride of Houston, Mississippi, two sacks. Won the game with one of those sacks last night against Cincinnati. He Dominant. was a monster. And speaking of monsters, 
the contract that he's going to sign, yes, yes, it too will be a monster, monster contract. He's already got. He's already got the first big one. He's already got the first hundred million dollar contract. Now the second one, the next one, though, insane. It'll be insane. Billion dollars. Well, maybe. All right. What? What about losers? What about losers? Borky loves to be negative. You want to lead us off? <laughs> Just mess with it. You know, I'd never feel bad for what I say about you behind your back for that reason right there. <laughs> well, it's okay. I say it to I, his face. I said it on the air Friday when he, he wasn't here. I said nobody was nobody was sad he was gone. Thanks. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. We'll continue winners and losers and get to yours on the ceasefire text line. Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi. We're continuing with winners and losers. Many of you are already sending them to us. You can do so on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Michael Borky, give me a loser. Two NBA-related ones. One is a, a theme that's it's increased and it's increased, and this year it's at a breaking point. The the load management rest days are are, are getting absurd. You've got entire starting lineups sitting out games if it happens to be the second night of a back-to-back. You've got players that aren't really injured uh, that are sitting out for rest days. It is every team. It is across the league. It's contenders. It's not just teams that are tanking. I I get it if a team's tanking and whatever, but this is everybody. All the way up, I mean, the Lakers do it. The Suns do it. The Warriors do it. The Pelicans do it. Everybody does it. And it's a joke because... At some point, they're going to take their fans for granted. The ones that they have left. They're going to take them for granted. Because you're going to get you know, some blue-collar worker that has a kid that just wants so bad, so bad to go see Steph Curry play, right? And his dad has worked months to save up money to buy tickets so he can take little Jimmy to sit close enough so he can go see Steph Curry play. They're going to buy the tickets, they're going to go to the game, and he's going to be in street clothes sitting on the bench because of load management. All those magical moments that everybody listening has had at some point in their life, most of you when you were a child, I remember mine, when dad or mom took you to your first game and you got to see your favorite player and you were hooked forever. Not everybody can buy season tickets to professional sports, right? Most people go to one a year if they can. And to have stars sitting out 33% of the season for no good reason other than load management You're going to lose a generation of fans. You're taking too many liberties with the people that literally pay your salary. And it needs to stop. Also, James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, is a loser. He's trying to install facial recognition technology in Madison Square Garden. Since Madison Square Garden is in part operated by the city, it's a public space. And that makes that illegal. You know, the whole Constitution thing. And he said if they don't let him install the facial recognition software to keep 
banned fans out of the arena because they held up signs saying for him to sell the team, mm-hmm. he will stop selling alcohol in the arena. That if you don't let me use facial tech, uh, recognition technology, I'm banning booze from the arena. Okay, James. The worst owner in sports. There was there was one more NBA thing that you missed, loser from the weekend. LeBron! LeBron! No, I think what you mean to say is the NBA are losers because they admitted after the game they missed the foul call. Is Can that what you, you meant to say? Can you imagine, when you think about the greatest players in the history of the association, can you imagine Michael Jordan going to all fours and putting his head on the ground and sitting there for 30 seconds because he didn't get a foul call? Can you imagine Kareem doing that? Looking as if his arm had been severed as he holds it out to the officials. What? What? You didn't, you didn't call a foul. And then going to all fours and streaming tears of anguish with his head buried on the floor of a basketball court. <laughs> yeah, the, the issue is not the referee who missed the obvious foul. It's, it's LeBron. I get it. Can you imagine an all time great acting that way? about a regular season game in which a call was missed when he is a person who is a beneficiary of maybe more ticky-tack calls than anybody else in the NBA? Can you imagine? Just add another chapter to the uh, book of loserisms for LeBron James. That book is getting longer and more distinguished by the day. I did get... Great take, Skip. I got a huge kick out of Pat Beverly, though. I mean, I can't stand the guy. That was fantastic. Come but, on. But him on. taking, uh, borrowing, he didn't steal it, borrowing a camera from a it. photographer courtside to show the ref the picture that the photographer took of LeBron getting fouled is it's, so it's funny. Fantastic. <laughs> he, got, wow. he got booted. Or, or like, he's going to get a fine or whatever for doing that. But, yeah, that yeah. was funny. But I just, because yeah. I saw the... The, the, oh, I know. The NBA refs in their statement talked about how they're going to lose sleep over it. My gosh, the thousands of calls that LeBron gets that aren't really fouls. I just hope everybody keeps the same energy when something else happens. Like when Jonas Valanciunas clearly does not intentionally elbow a guy in the head and gets kicked out of a game, a close game that he would have helped. You know Jonas. If you if you know sports, you know Jonas. He's the man. One of the I do know who he is. I'm yeah. just but but he gets kicked out of a I game. I play fantasy basketball. I know who everybody in the yeah. NBA is. For no reason, he gets kicked out of a game. Flagrant two in the early in the first quarter of what ended up being a really close game. No sleepless nights over that one. But my God, LeBron gets fouled, and you're going to lose sleep. You're an adult man. You're going to lose sleep because you didn't call a foul on the biggest crybaby in sports. Oh my You're God. an adult man. Lose sleep. Well, Come on, man. I, I have a loser, and now I'm sad that I picked this after what you two just did to me. <laughs> you know, normally, I don't know if I've made my opinions on Ole Miss known on this show. Normally, when somebody takes a shot at them, I'm all for it. But I thought the Oklahoma State thing with the Spencer Sanders thanks for the leftovers or whatever it was, I thought that was a bit weird. 
I mean, I, I get that he's in the portal, and, you know, maybe I, I, I get some of those things, but that was just weird and spiteful. And it, it, like I said, normally somebody takes a shot along with you, but even I was just like, really? I thought that was that, that was a bit yeah, much. I, I saw that, and and a lot of people. But now I'm sad. I said it after Richard just blatantly attacked me here on the air. Here, here's the thing, though. He's getting paid, right? He's got an NIL deal to go yeah, over Miss, right? I assume so. Yeah. Fair yeah, game. I assume so. Fair game. Yeah, but that doesn't mean stuff is tasteful. No, it's yeah, not I mean, tasteful, but fair game. Who who put it out? Was it just like random students, or did the university sanction that? There's no well, way I never the university got that, sanctioned that. that. There's no way. That that had to have been a student-created thing. I hope that's the case. Because I mean, the even student like, newspapers yeah, out of the games. get printed without like university approval. Ask me how I yeah. know. I've got a story for another day about that. Um, but, hey... He's getting paid to play now. It's not tasteful. I'm not saying it's tasteful, but I would have had a different reaction ten years ago or five years ago when when these guys weren't on salaries. Spencer Sanders is getting a full scholarship and money. Yeah. Take shots at him. I mean, I get what you're saying. I it just, was the I Oklahoma just, State just, student newspaper, and the entire back page okay. was Spencer Sanders in an Oklahoma State uniform in a carryout box that says Ole Miss on it. With the caption below that says "Enjoy the leftovers." Yeah, I mean that's that's it not is, tasteful. It's, it's very weird. It's, it's stupid. Weird. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But I, I just yeah. I, I don't. It doesn't bother me like it would have previously yeah. so because much, these guys are professionals now. So you get the so professional treatment for, for Oklahoma. So much state hate from Oklahoma State. I mean, what are we doing here? What? Why? Why well, do you care so much? You know why they do? You're because gonna, every time they play Ole Miss, Ole Miss smokes them on the field. That's a true story. Not in basketball, but if we're being honest. Not in basketball, no. O- Oklahoma State did Ole Miss a no. favor this weekend. But in football, Shout out Ole Miss. to Bunky Parkins. You can see him visibly giving up behind the Ole Miss bench on that video that he tweeted out today. <laughs> Just straight up, eh, wash my hands of that. We, um, we've got a bunch of winners and losers from, uh, from you. Winner... Sammy Zane for turning his back on that mean old Roman Reigns. Yeah, that was great. Great storytelling. Loser NFL refs in the Kansas City Cincy game. Maybe the worst officiating in a playoff game I've ever seen. Did you miss Saints-Rams 2018? Did you miss that game? Winner. Chad Hill breaking up that fight in the Niners-Eagles game. I didn't realize Chad was in the middle of that. Trent Williams auditioning, perhaps post NFL for a role in the WWE. Could be. That was a body slam. If I have ever seen a body slam, more of a suplex. Good Ooh. lord. Ah, uh, let's see. Mike says that LeBron got fouled after his fourth step. Uh, you know they don't call traveling. Uh, they don't call fouls. They, they do that uh, in college. Didn't it, it happened a lot in the state game actually, where guys will catch the ball and do like that jab step and then start their dribble. That gets called in the NBA all the time. Doesn't get called in college apparently. Which I don't think it's a travel anyway. But that's that's the one like they're hanging on to that one thing. I don't know. You better put the ball on the ground if you're going to take that first step. And when you don't, they call you know, it. What, the but, Euro step. 
No, it's it's like when you're catching the ball and you take that jab step and then go the other way, and, and guys like will, uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Uh, loser, Kellen Moore. Is he? Just got hired as the offensive coordinator with the Chargers. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. We'll get to more of your winners and losers when we come back. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. I'm going back to the start of the 4 o'clock hour, and hopefully I will get all of these winners and losers from you. Kelso, loser, people who think the NFL is rigged. We're talking about a billion-dollar company, multi-billion dollar company, not to pick nits. Uh, we're all going to watch the Super Bowl regardless. They don't have to rig anything. Sean, winner, the ref who gave the technical to Patrick Beverly. What an idiot for bringing the camera onto the court. But I did think it was funny. It was funny. Winner. Southern Miss basketball, first place at the halfway point of the Sunbelt Conference schedule. That is from Mike in Hattiesburg. Jeremy in Caledonia, winner. Stetson Bennett. Winner for getting arrested? Winner, huh? And real quick, going back to Southern Miss basketball, uh, Coach Jay Ladner will join us on tomorrow's show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. A big show coming up tomorrow. Massive show. We just tweeted it out. Uh, Coach Ladner at 4 o'clock, but at 3.20 for two segments, Mississippi State head football coach uh, Zach Arnett will join us. If anybody from Ole Miss wants on equal time, let us know. Well, uh, Lane, Lane, we're talking to you. We'll, we'll, we'll make it up. We'll make it work. Uh, let's see here. Winner, Chris Jones. Loser, Jalen Hurts singing. Yeah, he tried to sing the Fly Eagles Fly after the game, and <laughs> he, he's he's a really talented guy. That's not that's not one of his. Not one of his talents. No. Winner, uh, and we got about three or four of these. So if I don't call you by name, forgive me. Uh, the Ole Miss women's basketball team—they trailed by 19 yesterday on the road to Arkansas. Came all the way back, sent it to overtime, and won the game in overtime. They had a good, good season going. So, winner, Ole Miss women's basketball. Winner, Coach Jans and the Mississippi State men's basketball team. Losers, all the perpetually complaining crybabies who have no clue whatsoever what they're watching but talk anyway and were dumping on Jans last week. That is from Jason. Winners, A.J. Brown and Willie Gay. Hey, Dad mentioned them earlier. Uh, here's another one from David Knoxford, Ole Miss women's basketball. Uh, what else? Oh, James in Hattiesburg sent us a picture of the crowd on Saturday at Southern Miss. Great crowd. Great crowd at the ball game. Had a good one in the midweek also. It did. Uh, here's one, uh, Fletcher Cox and Kenneth Gainwell. Winners. 
Headed to the Super Bowl, both coming from Yazoo. That's from Gibbon Greenwood. Uh, winner, Mrs. Kelsey, who will have not one but two sons playing in the Super Bowl. Loser, whoever That's started awesome. the egg factory fire. Did you see what Travis Kelsey did? I don't know what that is. On the stage after the game because the Cincinnati mayor recorded himself yes. on a video call. Oh, yes. How could you not have seen yes. that? Is that, is that word safe for promo. radio? The, the J word? Is that safe jabroni? for Jabroni? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yes. Uh, yeah, he called him Mayor Jabroni. A jabroni, <laughs> a jabroni is a wrestler that is brought in to lose. Oh. That's where that started? So, yes, that's the, okay. uh, the Rock used to call people a jabroni. So did the Iron Sheik. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the He's technical a big jabroni, is Bubba. A foolish or contemptible person. Yeah. Well, but there's also yeah. words that you can use that are not appropriate for oh, radio no. that also no, mean. Now, jabroni's yeah. good. We're good. Okay. Yeah, called him Mayor Jabroni <laughs> on the stage. Told him to know his role and shut his mouth. <laughs> Love it. Know your role and shut your mouth. And then he paused. He goes, you jabroni. <laughs> just, just just, wrecked him right there. Did you see the video? He put the, the one eyebrow up. You know? The Eagles fans trolling Joey Bosa, by the way. Outside yeah. the stadium. So, so Bosa's walking yeah. into the stadium there to support his brother, obviously. And they're just going in their Philly accents. Bosa, Bosa, when do the Chargers play? And instead of, like, friendly ribbing, he did the tough guy, I make more money than you think. I mean, how you look worse than a bunch of drunk Philly Eagle fans is a hard thing to do, and he did it. That's a guaranteed L. If you're if somebody is, like, arguing with you and you result or resort to the, well, I'm richer than you, you lose. Nothing worse. You let drunk Eagles fans beat you. You're Joey Bosa, and he lost to those jabronis. Uh, Sorry, I was trying to scroll through here. We got got Borky saying jabronis now. I love it. The substitute. Uh, David and Oxford loser, me. I missed my four-leg parlay with the field goal in the Kansas City game. Uh, I feel you, David. There's always next time. Winner, Tolu Smith, 27 and 13. His awareness under the goal was amazing. State did not, does not win without him playing as well as he did. He was monster. He played well on Wednesday, too. I was kind of surprised he didn't get SEC Player of the Week. Hunter, uh, yeah, um, the Ziggler from Tennessee got Player of the Week, didn't he? Was it Ziggler or Vescovi? I thought it was, it was, it was one of them, I guess, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, winner Hunter in Columbus, uh, Mississippi State, for having four impact players in the Super Bowl and state basketball players and fans for not mailing it in. Okay? Uh, NFL refs, not so talented, but it's rigged. Losers. That's from Brian. Uh, winner Devontae Smith for the catch on the first possession of the game. Winner. Catch. Taiwan Malone. After missing fall baseball practice due to football, the big fellow went four for four in a scrimmage on Saturday with homers of 454, 430, and 371 feet. So one of those, if if the uh, analytics or whatever is accurate, 
there were 60 balls, only 60 balls in Major League Baseball hit harder than that last season. The, the one that went the one 13? Yeah. It, that that would have been like 61st or something in, in Major League Baseball last year. Yeah. Doesn't that just make you worry about your pitching? You're just giving up home yeah, runs to true. guys fresh off the football field? I mean, what a sight that was. I mean, to, to see. He's a large man. To see 300 pound an SEC defensive lineman hit a ball 454 feet. He's, he's a big football player. Yeah. As a baseball player, he's Andre the Giant. It's like Brad Cumbus. Like, Brad Cumbus was a tall guy on really any football field, but this on a baseball field, Brad Cumbus looked like Andre the Giant. He really did. Yeah. That's why Aaron Judge is such a freak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, holy, holy moly. All right, so that's winners and losers on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for participating. Pretty good sports weekend. Uh, uh, Rory, winner, he wins in Dubai. Got another. Max Homa wins in uh, Southern California. Give me the uh, kindergartner explanation of what happened with Patrick Reed. He cheated again. He cheated. Okay. He, he hit. We'll just leave it at that. He hit a ball into a. Group he hit a ball and landed trees. in a tree, right? And okay. to be able to play from underneath those trees with the ball stuck in a tree, you have to identify your ball, right? Then you can drop right yeah. underneath the tree and play from there, and it's only one stroke. But if you can't clearly identify your ball, you have to go back to the tee and hit your third shot from the tee. Would have been more penal. He identified his ball and, quote, identified his ball in the wrong tree. So he lied about seeing his ball, and and so he took a drop illegally, and yeah. He cheated. Again. Just, yeah. All right. Yeah. And then played I well after. I saw the Pruder film uh, footage of it, so I didn't know quite what was going, oh, yeah, going the, on. The best one, though, is Brandel Chambolite narrating the Zapruder film <laughs> yeah, on Golf Channel. Right. Let's go back into the left. Yeah. Uh, and you know there's one reason why he did that. He's a he's, terrible person? He's part of the lawsuit. <laughs> there's a reason Brandle wanted to really focus in on that shot to, to say everything but he cheated live on the golf oh, channel. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I forgot that Brandle Chambly was one of the defendants in Patrick Reed's lawsuit oh, okay. for $11 billion. On, that guy. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, served Rory on Christmas Eve, served Justin Thomas on his wedding weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good guy that Patrick Reed. This is um this is a conversation worth having on the other side of this. Dwayne and Brandon. That's all. I, I'm wondering that if this is groupthink or if this is legitimately true. Loser Tony Romo. Getting hard to listen to him, even though my wife thinks Richard looks like him. Okay. I look like Tony Romo? You know what your wife is saying, Dwayne. I don't know if I look like Tony Romo. That's not what she's actually saying. Yeah, Borky, you don't have to make it weird. You don't have to make it weird. Dwayne's a, a good regular listener. Have you read his messages? Dwayne makes it weird. Yeah. And we love you for it. Weird is good, but, you know. My wife's prettier than his. Then, 
The Dwayne's? That wasn't nice. No, the Tony Robo. <laughs> <I mean>, I... <laughs> no. No. No, Dwayne. No, no, no. The Tony Romo's. No. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. So before things went sideways with Dwayne's text a moment ago, the point that he was making was that he's tired of listening to Tony Romo as an analyst. So a couple of years ago in year one, everybody was like, this is redefining the way a game is talked about and analyzed in real time. That was Tony Romo year one as an analyst. And then he got a large contract from CBS and people have already grown weary. I guess weary is the right way to describe it. If if the internet is to believed of uh, to be believed, the Tony Romo. Uh, we, we get a message here that says uh, I've started calling him Tony Nomo, as in I don't want no mo. Uh, I, I don't know that that needed an explanation, but it, sorry, you got it. So Tony Romo is an analyst. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I saw a lot of, of, of press about this today, and I, I this is one of those things where I maybe I'm just different than a lot of sports fans, but I, I, I the announcers are just such background noise to me for whatever reason that I don't notice it. Now that said, you can tell he's like a little too excited, like a kid hyped up on a bag full of Sour Patch Kids or something, but <laughs> for the most part... I mean, he's he's hyped up in there and he's squealing sometimes. I'm just like, hey, dude, it's, you know, it's just football. Let's calm down. Um, but yeah, for me, you know, the main thing that's different with him that I'm that I have noticed is that he's not making the and because he's been in the league for six years, he's not facing a lot of the same coaches and players, and he doesn't know the tendencies as well. But he's not able to like show us, hey, this is what's about to happen which is what made him really interesting to me the first couple of years was his ability to sort of predict what the plays were going to be and then be right. That has gotten away from him. Does anyone else get annoyed with Romo calling the plays all the time? We get that on the ceasefire text line. I, di- I didn't get the sense he was doing that as much. It was kind of like a, a year one thing. Yeah, yeah, year one, year two, for sure. But I mean, now, I mean, how many coaches are still in the league from when he was a player, you know how yeah. many quarterbacks are the same? Yeah, yes, but I, I would say that I think there's an amount of study, and it is a lot of work that goes into being able and to he, do that. And, and you he can speak to the, the the work that's done by these by by play by play and color commentators. Well, I guess I was going to say Tony Romo probably didn't have to do the work to be able to do that in year one. And I don't know that he's watching the same volume of film that he was watching when he was a player as an analyst to be able to do it now. There are a couple of guys that do a pretty good job. I mean, somebody mentioned Chris Collinsworth. And and I have talked to some people who know Chris and say it is unbelievable how hard he works to be prepared for the job that he does. There's another guy that people hate on college football. 
and that's Gary. Right? People don't like Gary. Gary does a pretty good job of telling you what's going to happen and why whatever just happened happened. He he does a lot. Now he doesn't always get it right, but but he does a lot of predictive stuff in his analysis. Uh, here's what I think. Uh, I like Tony Romo. He's doing an excellent job. Brings something different to play calling. I don't see any difference than what he does than an international hyped up play by play caller for soccer. Yeah, it, that's where I fall. I, I understand the criticism. He was he was a bit much yesterday, but he, he's. I had, do think he's genuinely excited to be there. Yeah, and you know it's football. He's he's having a blast because he's sitting up in the booth and there's this incredible football game happening in front of him and he's getting paid for it. I, I think sometimes broadcasters get too stuffy. It includes people like us or sports writers get too stuffy. Media people, television, you know, debate hosts, everybody in broadcasting or sports media just gets too stuffy and sometimes they don't just sit back and think, man, this is fun. Like, this is what I get to do for a living. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Like, some people just remove their passion for the sake of, I don't know. But you can feel how excited Romo is on the call. And maybe it's a little much, but man, I think we need more of that. Contrast that with the crap that NBC put out a couple weeks ago. With Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. I mean, yeah, give, give me the, give oh, me the yeah, guy yeah. that's hyped up all day over the guys that couldn't care less about the moment. Josh and Laurel says, Gary Danielson gets too much hate. He's very good. Um, Unless Tony Alabama's Romo playing. is a heck of a lot better than the twin sisters of Boomer Esiason and Phil Sims. Well, in Philadelphia, I really enjoy Romo. He gives a great insight of how smart players really are and how they see the game. Uh, Romo for Cowboys offensive coordinator. Romo kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, but to be honest, a lot of them do. Did Romo almost say a racial slur or no? I no idea what you're talking about there. Five o'clock hour coming up. College football fix. That's how we'll start things off with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios after this. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Again, Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Learn more about them or book a tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com or visit pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the C Spire text line at 601 879 Four three nine five. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire Country. 
Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Let's jump right in to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log in to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Then go and check out the 2023 Ford F-150 at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. F-Series, 46 straight years as the number one selling truck in America. Brian Haydad's podcast partner on Thunder and Lightning, Robbie Falk, put out an interesting list on Twitter last night. A Mississippi representation in the Super Bowl. It's not just Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You get guys from all over, high school, college, etc. Chris Jones, I, I guess he's the headline grabber out of this group, or at least based on what he did last night. Houston High School, Mississippi State, star at both places. Fletcher Cox out of Yazoo City in Mississippi State. A.J. Brown, Starkville High School and Ole Miss. Willie Gay, Starkville High School in Mississippi State. Darius Slay, Itawamba Community College and then Mississippi State. N'Kobe Dean, who left the state for college football from Horn Lake, played at Georgia, won a national championship there. Kenneth Gainwell from Yazoo City played his college ball at Memphis. Gardner Minshew, a bit of an odyssey in college from Brandon, Mississippi. Finished things up at Washington State under Mike Leach. Darius Harris from Horn Lake, who played college football at Middle Tennessee. And Quez Watkins, who played at Southern Miss, taken by the Eagles. In the sixth round of the 2020 draft, he is wide receiver with Philadelphia. That, boys, is a heck of a list. And... uh if you want a Mississippi, or if you want Mississippi to do the best in the Super Bowl, you want the Eagles to win because you get a state Ole Miss and Southern Miss Super Bowl ring winner with Watkins Brown and Slay slash Fletcher Cox. Cox, yeah. That'd be a good law firm name. I think so. To be honest, yeah. Watkins, Brown, Slay, and Cox. I would trust them, yes. Feels like they would take care of... <laughs> they could be the enforcers, if nothing. Maybe a, a security firm. Yeah. De- defense outfit. Cox and Slay would be great defense attorneys, yes. Yeah. Um, It's really cool, right? And it, it speaks yeah. to the, the high school football, the college football in Mississippi... And it's a little bit of a, an anomaly to have that many from the same state, especially when you're talking about a state that is as small as Mississippi is, about shy of 3 million people. That underscores it, though, right, that mm-hmm. even though this is a small state, I mean, how many other states with fewer than 3 million people are putting this kind of talent in the NFL? You know, it's yeah. it's a very underrated place. We know that. But also... Just high-level football players grow up here and play here. And and on the defensive side, right? I mean, Mississippi State's done such a good job with with defensive linemen, getting them in, developing them, growing them, the presence in the NFL. But, I mean, these you're talking about some of the absolute stars on the defensive side. And then A.J. Brown, right? I mean, a year ago, he was a Tennessee Titan. 
That was the off-season move that, move that left so many of us scratching our heads when you looked at Tennessee like, wait, you're doing what? Philadelphia, the beneficiary of that trade. And good grief has he had a good year. A little bit, a little quiet yesterday, wasn't he? It wasn't a, a huge game yesterday for A.J. Brown. He have a catch early? See, what did, okay, had a couple finished, catches early, I think. Yeah, finished with four catches for 28 yards. But it was never that take the top off the defense. Quez Watkins played. He was targeted one time, did not have a catch in the game. Tim yesterday 14 carries for 48 yards yesterday. Sorry, go ahead. With everything that happened yesterday in that game, I mean, Philadelphia kind of knew they didn't have to take the top off. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's probably played, played a role in that. They're going to need him to, though. And, and Kansas City can be susceptible there. But, yeah, you, you can't have a quiet passing game and, and win this one, regardless of how good the Eagles' defense is. Yeah, you're uh, you're right. So those are your Mississippi guys playing in the Super Bowl. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got uh, some end-of-season savings that you can take advantage of if you can find styles that uh, you like from their fall collection. Spring stuff going to be arriving in no time. We'll tell you about that as we get into the month of February, how you can get it. You can also get Genteel Apparel at a number of men's stores all across the state of Mississippi. Kincaid's Fine Clothing at Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, Abraham's Indianola, the Willander in Brandon, Mile, excuse me, Mile 363 in Natchez, and T. Sappington and Company in New Albany. Just a few of the men's stores across the state of Mississippi where you can add Genteel Apparel to your wardrobe. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, anything on the, the recruiting front? Hey, Dad, we, we got the obligatory question. I think it came in at the very beginning of the show. Let's see if I can scroll back and, and make sure that's what it was. It was the, uh, hey, Dad, any update on Dylan Johnson? <laughs> no, not yet. I, I can't imagine he's coming back to state at this point. It just it doesn't feel like it. It feel like he would have already made that decision. So, where, where is he? I don't know the uh, the answer to that question. Around, not Seattle. Between, between here and there, is is the University of Washington on the quarter system? A lot of the Pac twelve yeah, schools it, it, are. Yeah, I think school for them doesn't start until like late February, early March, or something. So, if you wanted to end up there. Or, or, or has that yeah, soured? Good. I think it's soured, but if he does end up deciding to do that, he's he's fine. Yeah, from an academic standpoint. The the drop ad deadline in the state of Mississippi is moving quickly, right? Isn't it this Friday? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yes, and you need a little heppin. I mean, it should be done by now. Of course, football players get the heppin that they need, but. I'm not worried about the heppin portion of it. They'll figure that out. Yeah. Houston Nut just made a cameo. Yeah. There you go. We're in the people heppin business. In the heppin business. Um, yeah. Right. So that is uh, that is there. The other thing that we got uh, we got going on is the Senior Bowl, right? That's coming up this yeah. uh, this weekend. 
Um, you get the week, of course, between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. I don't love that, by the way. I, I guess the teams probably do. You know, you spend a few days, a couple of days recovering, start your game planning, let your guys kind of handle their business in terms of tickets and all of the excitement, and then really get down to locking in in terms of preparation for the game. Do we need the week off? Well, do we? No. But do they for capitalism purposes? Yes. You throw the Pro Bowl in there, you you build interest, you build interest, you build interest, you sell those final ads, you get Patrick Mahomes healthy, you know, those kind of things. That's what I was going to say is is you want to make sure they get everybody healthy. So you give them an extra week just to make sure any bumps and bruises are, are as cleared up as they can be at this point in a football season. Yeah. Jeff reminds us that NASCAR opens this weekend. Okay. Good to know. Where is uh, Talladega is after, or wait, no, uh, not Talladega. Daytona is after the Super Bowl, right? Because don't we always get, don't we always get yeah, uh, so, yeah. Daytona commercials during the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, we've got the clash at the Coliseum at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum this Sunday. Well, and then uh, the Daytona 500 two Sundays later. Sunday, February 19th. Borky, you going to lock in on Sunday night for NASCAR inside the L.A. Coliseum? I'll actually check it out. I love the novelty stuff. Gary told me they're putting special mufflers on the cars to keep them quiet. Like, that's what's the point of that? Isn't that, isn't that the whole purpose, is to be loud? Bad, you know what, In American California, speed? they should be driving Priuses anyway. What if you had NASCAR drivers race Priuses? <laughs> we'll be back. And watch. What do they want? Exciting news. Race yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. All right, let's talk some hoops from over the weekend. Ole Miss went to uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Rebels were without Matthew Morrell once again and also without Deshaun Ruffin. Um, what was the official explanation? Coach's decision? Was that the the official explanation? Coach's decision was left home. Yeah, didn't make the trip. And that was on the heels of actually probably playing his best game of the year. 18 points on, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah. And left home on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I had somebody today who's like, hey, I'm going to call into your show and ask you what happened. I'm like, tell you the same thing here. I I, I don't know. And Never mind really that. You're not calling the show. Say. say what? You could have talked to me. Never mind that. You're not going to call into the show. Yeah. Well. You got a text line. Yeah. I think he was using that figuratively, but. I did get asked this, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because it's going to be the same discussion every day until the end, but if or will are, I said this on Twitter, are rhetorical questions, there's no need to ask if or will. 
But I think after Saturday and the deal with Ruffin and, and other stuff going on, when is now on the table? At, at what point does when become a reality? And why or why not? Because I mean, you, 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 let's just get. I don't think you got to dance around what you're saying. No, I'm not. I, mean, I, I think I'm pre, being pretty direct, or at least maybe I am being ambiguous. If Ole Miss moves on, or will they move on? Are rhetorical questions, meaning you already know the answer to those questions. It's happening, but when? Because now you've got you're you're leaving a player home. You, you've you've got stuff. The body language Saturday was awful, awful. At what point do you realize, you know, maybe now it's it's just time to to do it now instead of let this drag out anymore? Because there as are guys on that. Ends. Uh, you think because there there yeah. are guys on that team that y- you want to stay on the team <clears throat> when a new coach comes in. I wonder if if there's fear of souring the relationship to the point where it's unsalvageable, even with a new voice, and what that may but look have- like. You have a truly embarrassing home loss. They might just go ahead and pull the plug at that point. You have a game where you you not only lose by twenty five thirty points, but it's just obvious what Borky was saying there that they're just out there going through the motions and you know at some point you have to say look this is doing more damage than 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 it's helping. Yeah. Which to this point, I mean, outside of Saturday, and, and admittedly, I did not watch Saturday. I was I was working. Um, they looked the defeated, and I understand, but but they looked defeated. But but you haven't had the the no effort game like that that hasn't cropped itself up. So, um, I mean, I guess it's possible that something could change, but barring anything untoward off the court, then I, I don't think I don't think that's in play. I, I don't think on January thirtieth. Kermit not finishing the season is any part of the plan. Unless I would say unless he brings that up. I, I I don't I don't get the impression that Ole Miss is going to push that issue. Because of kind of who Kermit is and who he has been. It's a balancing act, right? If you're Keith Carter I get that. It's a balancing act. Because because people say or I've had people say to me, Well you gotta do it now so you can start your search. Eh. No, you don't. Uh, you can start it now. Uh, but also, you, you have got to try to keep your job as attractive as possible for the next guy, right? So, so you want to make an exit look as clean as possible. You, you want okay, it to, I don't to look good. Think that's good. a thing anymore? Really? You, you yeah. don't want to treat Kermit Davis as, as well as you can on the way out? Just, just no, no. I, I think your... that part of it is, but I, I don't think you know holding the roster together is is really a thought. I mean, look. Oh, at, that's not what look I mean. Look at LSU. Though. I mean, for the next candidate, I guess is what I'm no, saying. No, I know, I know that's exactly what you meant. But I'm saying, look at the LSU situation. They had one scholarship player. You look at Kansas State. That's a top five team and won again this weekend. And they had what was it, two or three scholarship players that were on the roster when Langs took over that job. I I just think the you know, if you are fortunate to to make a change and hold on to important pieces, then I think you count that as that was that was good fortune. Yeah. Um. But I don't know that that factors in as much anymore when making a change as it once did. Yeah. Because it's so easy for guys to go, and you may lose guys anyway. 
you're yeah. you're going to. I mean, you just are looking at the uh, looking at the Ole Miss schedule. You know they play Kentucky tomorrow night. Whatever happens in that game is going to happen. Next home game is the 11th. And that's against South Carolina. Now I don't think Ole Miss is going to lose to South Carolina. That's one is if they lose that they might go ahead and pull the plug. Let them lose a couple more before that home game against South Carolina and over under. They're at Vanderbilt and at Georgia. So you're at Vanderbilt and at Georgia. Those are two bad teams. Not not that Ole Miss isn't a bad team. But, yeah, if you lose those two games and then you come home and, like I said, playing in front of a 1,000 people and find a way to drop one to the worst team in not only the SEC but maybe all of Power 5, that's that's tough. That's tough. I I actually would push back just a touch. I I don't think Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt's a bad team. Okay. I mean, that's fine. If that's they're, what you're pushing back on, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I mean, I. They're not great. William Robin. No, they're not great. They're not. I mean, they're ten and eleven now on the year. They got three SEC wins. They're very much in that game on the road in a hostile environment against Texas A&M on on Saturday night, and they're without the number two shot blocker in all of college basketball in in Liam Robbins. So, but never mind that that that. Means nothing, heads or tails. But Borky, I think overall your your supposition is right. That it's pretty much a foregone conclusion the way things are going to play out at the end of the season. But I do think it's going to be at the end of the season, and then I think it'll move very quickly after that. So we'll see. It's unfortunate, all, all, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. On a more positive note, Mississippi State over TCU. We mentioned it earlier. The uh, the play of Tolu Smith in 37 minutes. That includes overtime. He was 11 of 13 from the field. 27 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, and oh, by the way, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Yeah. Monster game. Monster game for Tola. Yeah, I mean, TCU was missing their starting uh, center, and it showed. It showed in that game. Tolu Smith was dominant from the early. I think he had an assist and two buckets on State's first three possessions uh, and just kept going the rest of the game. It was just fantastic. And I mentioned something, you know, remember he got benched at the end of the Florida game. Didn't play the final few minutes of that game. And then against Alabama, he, he got off to a slow start, and, and Jans pulled him out early. And I don't know if Jan said something to him or if Tolu just found some sort of inner fire or whatever. But since that moment, Tolu Smith has been playing like Tolu Smith. He looks like the player we all expected uh, to look like. So, tremendous, tremendous game for him. Tremendous game for Deshaun Davis. He's become a lot more consistent. Cam Matthews had a double-double. State. I mentioned this in our, in our call earlier today. State shot 50% from the floor in this game. And that's with one player, DJ Jeffries, who is just in the, one of the most horrible slumps I've ever seen. He was two for twelve. So you take his 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 you just take him off the team for this game. State still wins without his five points, and state shoots like fifty seven, fifty eight percent. I mean that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Big shots down the stretch. Big shots in overtime. Mississippi State. Made some perimeter shots late in the ballgame. Um, 
You, you know, you mentioned DJ Jeffries. He's he's O of seven from behind the arc. And and you can't do the well if you take this out. But hey, Dad, if you take those seven misses out, Mississippi State seven of seventeen. Yeah. And and that's you know as it is with those seven misses in there, it's twenty nine for uh, percent from three. Uh, Mississippi State out rebounded TCU by nine. It was just a really good win and a uh, a good atmosphere all the way around. And so you mentioned it earlier. Looking ahead to the schedule for Mississippi State over the the next couple of weeks at South Carolina, that is on uh, that's tomorrow. That's the early game tomorrow. Tips off at five thirty Central Time while we're still in the air. Then a home game against Missouri on Saturday. Then a home game against LSU the following Wednesday night. Then a road trip to Arkansas. Then Kentucky at home, and then Ole Miss at home, or on the road. On the road. So an opportunity here for Mississippi State, to say that has been saying for for several weeks, they can weather the storm, an opportunity to win some games. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back with you after this. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. He's frozen. Let's see how long it Super Talk Mississippi. See how long it takes him to notice. We get to play our favorite game. What is Richard looking at? Uh, Joggers. Sweater vests. He he saw that guy that that blew Cardigans. uh, Cardigans. He's got got cardigans going. Yeah. So maybe you should shoot him a text. I think he's just straight up like. No, I'm not going to. I I, I don't think he's doing it. He He just looked up. He looked up. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> what is he Michael, doing? We just, uh, I mean, the, everything I never, in front of you I never you know what he's doing. And... I never know what he's like, Richard, the meatloaf. We want it. Wouldn't. I mean, we have a clock and everything. Mississippi State yeah, uh, got a has tight just end. dipped into the grad. Our long national nightmare is over. Mississippi State uh, picks up a tight end. Georgia transfer Ryland Goaty. Uh, is now yeah that's it hey, he's there hey, now hey, he's there his connection must have dropped <laughs> he's out he just tapped out See anyway just 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 cut him out anyway uh, Georgia transfer Ryland Goaty uh, a, a four star tight end out of high school was highly ranked but you know unfortunately fell behind Brock Bowers the machine and Darnell Washington the giant. 
on the depth chart there and entered the portal. Uh, he has made the commitment to uh, Mississippi State, along with his fiance Alexa Fortin, who is a volleyball player, a center. I looked this up just a few minutes ago, so a double deal uh, for Mississippi State. Quick, what is a setter on that do? one? Sets. You know, puts it up for the spikers. So, so that's that's all. So she she's one of those. I mean, I guess that I guess I guess, I guess that you know everybody's got a role in the in the world is of spikers. Sports. Really, that's, that's a just, position I, in volleyball. I don't know what they're called, but they're the ones who do the spiking. So spikers. why not? Um, one thing to, to self, note about you're Goody, recruit transfer portal guys keep a spot on on your volleyball team open. You got you got you got to be willing to deal. adapt. One thing to note with Ryland Goaty that's important to note is that he is not a he's not leaving now. He's going to finish up the spring semester at Georgia to get his degree, and so he'll be in Starville for the summer and fall. But he will not be a part of spring practice. And that you know we've been talking, especially on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, Michael, about how does State run spring practice when they don't have a tight end? You know, now I think yeah. what you're going to see is. I think what you're going to see in year one with Kevin Barbe is not what you might see in year three with Kevin Barbe. Once the roster is is kind of put together a little bit differently, but for right now, yeah, you know, I think you may see a little bit more four wide and three wide two back out of him than you would normally see because he just doesn't have the guys yet. I'm 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 kind of surprised with State. You know, they had some visitors on on campus and a couple of high school kids that they haven't gone after a high school tight end. I mean, just hey. at this point, hey. What's going on, man? We were talking. State got a tight end. And? A setter. A setter. A setter, Richard, as we've learned from Haydad, is the person who sets the ball for the spiker. A set. Mm. I, th- I, think he, I think she is also the... Or a libero. I think she is also the, uh, the sister of Arkansas quarterback Cade Fortin. Really? Just from looking at her Twitter account. Yeah. Okay. Athletic family, so yeah. very athletic family. That's good. They stuff. look so happy in their uh, their commitment picture. They do. I to they Mississippi do. State. Not they're not. I'm sure they look happy in their commitment pictures. They've already to each other also. in their commitment pictures to each other. Yeah, I'm sure they, they look fine. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little bit this morning. That this is a situation for State where in the old signing day they could almost go out and get a commitment from just about any tight end in the country, whoever the top two or three tight ends are. Because they could just say, look, SEC team, you're going to play. You're going to play almost every snap. You'll have a chance to catch 30, 40 balls as a freshman and go from there. Uh, but instead, most of the, the top, I think I looked, the top 10 tight ends are all gone. They're already signed up. So I am surprised that the state hasn't tried to find somebody that's uncommitted and bring them in. But I guess that's they're just going to work through the portal. Guys, I don't know what happened there a, a second ago. Uh, I mean, no, I, Dwayne has it figured out. It it was funny though. Yeah. What did Dwayne say? I haven't looked yet. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you exactly what I was doing, I, and and I kind of got engrossed in it. Um, we were planning Let's to see, talk right college baseball here in terms of counting down twenty five teams in twenty five days. Oh yeah. I was looking at Auburn's schedule last year and uh, found myself in the box score of the Ole Miss-Auburn College World Series game. And uh, I had to kind of go back and remember how that one happened and unfolded. I mean, the SEC is always a bear. but the so, so help me out. The SEC West has the last two national champions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And what is it, four teams that went to Omaha last year? Or three? Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Auburn. Four. And Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Texas A&M got there, too. So the, the SEC West and, is... And the the consensus preseason number one team that didn't go to Omaha number one. last year. Yeah. My goodness. That, so everybody's got something on the resume. Yeah. Alabama this year is the team that like people think it's going to take the jump up. That they've, it's finally their time hey. under Brad Bohannon to to finally get there. That is a good segue. Ah! Mississippi State, the national champions. One-two pitch. Struck him out. From last four in to last team standing. Ole Miss has won the College World Series. Opening day is right around the corner, so we're counting it down. Here's 25 teams in 25 days. So I didn't go back and figure out what Auburn's RPI was at the end of the SEC baseball tournament, but it must have been pretty darn good because they hosted a regional at home last year. Thank you. That was redundant. With 37 wins. They had 37 wins at the end of the SEC tournament. Got beat by Kentucky on the first day of the SEC tournament. Swept through the Auburn regional with, like, no sweat. Beat the brakes off of southeastern Louisiana. Beat Florida State twenty-one to seven, and then beat UCLA eleven to four. And then remember they they had to make the trip out to the Pacific Northwest and knocked off the number three national seed Oregon State. Won the first game, lost the second, won the third. It was a really impressive run that Auburn put together to get to the College World Series. Got beat five to one by look- Ole Miss. I'm sorry, go ahead. If I'm looking at it right, their their RPI was four after the SEC tournament. Well, that's how you get to host with 37 wins. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy because they they did not finish the regular season on the strongest of notes, right? So the last three uh, last three or four SEC, they lost two of three at Tennessee. They lost two of three at home to Arkansas. They took two from Alabama and had the third game canceled because of rain. And then they lost two of three to Kentucky on the road and lost to Kentucky in the SEC tournament. I mean, they were in a little bit of a tailspin going into the postseason and then really righted the ship, lost to Ole Miss, beat Stanford, and then lost to, did Arkansas bounce them? I guess on that side of the bracket. Yeah, Arkansas beat them 11-1. to That's right. So, Butch Thompson has done such a good job. They've been to Omaha twice under Butch. Season begins with a three-game series against Indiana. They go to Southern Cal for a three-game series. They host Lipscomb, host Southeastern Louisiana, who was, we mentioned a second ago, postseason team a year ago. They get Georgia Tech in the non-conference, and then they jump into league play on the road at Arkansas. You remember how bad we talked about the non-conference schedule being for... Who was it last week? 
Was it was it Kentucky or Missouri? It or was Missouri. Missouri, and their non-conference schedule was just gross. It's a pretty pretty salty non-conference slate. You go Indiana, Southern Cal, Lipscomb, and Southeastern. But before you jump into league play, that's good stuff. I don't think Auburn's going anywhere either. I think there's the consistency because you know between those two years of the College World Series in 21, they were they were not good at all. Can they you know can they be consistent? Yeah. Well, they've they've rebuilt the roster in a uh, in a big way, and now they got to figure out what who this year's Sonny Deshera is. Sports Talk Mississippi Auburn team number twenty one on the countdown of twenty five teams in twenty five days. Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. It was South Carolina, by the way, that we were uh, we were talking about that had such a bad schedule. And the, the, their non-conference schedule was not very good. Agreed, right? We're all on the same page about that. Yes, that, that's yes. correct. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, our listeners were quick to correct us. Yes, which, as we know, they are even when they're wrong, which is okay. Yeah, but in this case, they were right. It was they South were Carolina, right whose uh, non-conference baseball schedule this year is trash. Uh, we got, talked about the fact that they better pile up a bunch of wins uh, yeah. against that schedule. Yeah, right. Friday at about this time, yeah. I was getting irrationally frustrated with people trying to tell me that a the crappie perch. was a white <laughs> perch, and they were, that they were the same, and they are not the same. And people kept trying to tell not me that they were. A guy on Twitter even called me a juvenile for not believing that they were the same, and, and they're not. Like I even sent oh, you a picture gotta, and everything. I got a juvenile. Yes, not the same. Anyway, like like the rapper. Is there a, a rapper named Juvenile? Yeah, a Pony. You you don't know Pony? That's your era. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Both of y'all are just idiots, right? This second, Richard. Yes, there's a rapper named Juvenile. Pony is genuine, genuine, not oh, juvenile. Yeah, genuine. and it's not a rap; that's a song. It's a great juvenile song. is back that thing up. Yeah, there we go. Okay, come on. Well, it's not back. I won't get a text that, in a minute. Back, back that what up? Uh, well, why don't you, why don't you read I mean, those lyrics, it. bud? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am. I am aware of the song. <laughs> Thank you. Forgive me for not being able to associate the song with the rapper. There you go. My apologies. Uh, as this was, I don't know. I was still kind of stuck on Auburn baseball for a second. That's you know kind of where we were and where we were finished. We don't have time to get to Alabama today. Who was the other team that we were going to get to? Those two. There. Say what? Oh, they said who was the other team? Yeah, that one. Wh- which was the other team? Whom yeah. was the other? Well, I, I mean, whatever. Got, yeah. That was the other team that we were going to get to today, and we don't have time to squeeze that in, so we'll do it. Tomorrow, Wednesday, whatever. We got plenty of time. There are a lot of dudes coming back from that Auburn team that was good a year ago. 
and they've recruited well, and Blitz has kind of put together a pretty good culture there. And obviously, you're going to have to have to figure out a way to play uh, replace Sonny D. That kid, young man, kid, whatever. He hit 383 with 22 bombs and 15 doubles last year. He's good. And only struck out 55 times. You look at him, you're like, oh, home run hitter? That guy's going to strike out a lot. Not really. And and if you look at him, you didn't really think, man, that guy is a good defender. And then you're like, oh, wait, he only made four errors the only time uh, the entire season at first base. Really good player for uh, for them. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see with Auburn. They're pretty good at the front end of the rotation. They were really good at the black back end. I don't know if Blake Burkhalter is back or not. I hope the answer is no for everybody else's sake in the SEC. Yes, Blake Burkhalter is gone. He is going to make money in professional baseball. But they do have Joseph Gonzalez, who is kind of the front of the rotation starter uh, a season ago coming back. So we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know. Somebody's going to finish last in the SEC West. Right? And still play in the postseason? Yeah. Maybe. Possibly. Very possibly. I mean, you, you can't go 8-22 and 22 and still play in the postseason. But, I mean, if, if the separation in the SEC West is from 18-12 and 12 to, say, 13-17, and 17, you could have all seven from the West in the, in the postseason. Without yeah. question. Think about it. You got preseason number one, Arkansas. I'm saying LSU. Arkansas, reloading. Ole Miss, won it all last year. Mississippi State, finished last last year, won it all two years ago with as bad an injury luck as you can find. Texas A&M, College World Series a year ago, a bunch of pieces coming back. Year two under Jim Schlossnagel. They play the most maddening style of baseball of anybody in the country to watch. It's so slow, but it works. We just talked about Auburn and Alabama. I mean, whew. And never mind that you got Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Florida and Georgia on the other side. I mean, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Missouri are the three teams that you kind of push to the side, but then you remember Missouri won 10 games last year in the league. And Kentucky was fighting like crazy at the end with a series win over Auburn and a couple of wins in the SEC tournament to get that one of those last spots in the field. Should be fun. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Full schedule of events available. Follow along on their social media. That's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at Visit Oxford MS. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.